Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. An Elio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Aftermath. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Melissa Norberg. She is an associate professor at Macquarie University at the Center for Emotional Health, and she has some very interesting things to say about panic buying, hoarding, and this toilet paper crisis 2020. And in addition, she gives us some really great tips on how to protect your mental health and stay healthy during these times. Dr. Norberg, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, talking about this toilet paper shortage crisis that we're having all over the world. Now, you're calling us from Sydney, Australia. How is the crisis affecting uh, Sydney right now? Well, it's definitely more than just toilet paper missing from the shelves. Um, So depending on which supermarket you go to, um, pasta will definitely be gone, hand sanitizer, Um, Sometimes fruits and veggies are also um, 
missing. So it you might have to go to a few shops to get what you need. And can you talk to us uh, about this psychology behind hoarding and how it's linked to anxiety? Because we've been discussing this hoarding as one of the main elements for this shortage. Yeah. So hoarding disorder is defined by an extreme inability to part with possessions because of a perceived need that you need to have them. And then also a desire to avoid the distress associated with saving them or with throwing them away. Now, in 85% of cases of hoarding disorder, people also excessively acquire possessions. And hoarding is on a continuum, meaning that it exists to varying degrees in everybody. So some individuals may only acquire and save a few items that they don't really need. Other people may save just a few more items than that to some people who save so many items that they can no longer use their homes for their intended purposes. But in every case, there is, it's not just a perceived need to save the items, but also a distress or discomfort that someone doesn't want to feel from not acquiring or not saving the possession. How is this linked to anxiety? So the idea that you're going to have to go without the possession or get rid of the possession, that leads to thoughts that cause discomfort, which can be anxiety in some cases. And then that not being able or not wanting to tolerate that experience of anxiety and distress can cause someone to save the possession. I see. Now, what what do you think about, it is about the coronavirus that is driving people, some people who don't normally tend to hoard or stockpile in excess. Uh, and why why toilet paper in particular? Okay. Well, first, I'm not quite sure that panic buying is the same thing as hoarding. So as mentioned, Hoarding isn't so much excessively acquiring, although that's often part of it. It's more the difficulty discarding and saving so many items that you can't use your homes for what they were intended. So without going into people's homes and seeing how they're, do they have the space for what they're buying, I can't really call it hoarding. But what we Uh. can see from um, seeing people at the shops and the empty shelves is that there is excessive acquiring going on. And so that's the term used that we're using right now is panic buying. Panic buying. And yeah, so with the coronavirus, it's a new situational stressor. So it's a virus and we haven't experienced it before. And so when we go shopping, we're probably relying on rules of thumb to get a spy. So we might think, well, when I typically get sick, what are the types of products that I need? And I need to make sure that I have enough of those to get me by. And so toilet paper happens to be one of the products that we often need when we're sick. Um, But coronavirus isn't just the same old illness that we're used to. It brings up new things. And so we saw at the end of January that China went into lockdown. And so right away that starts to um, trigger fears about a loss of freedom. So freedom is a basic human right. And just the thought of our freedom being taken away from us can be very, very scary. And so those thoughts can trigger urges. Well, I need, I need to buy, I need to prepare for this. That could lead to excessive acquiring behavior in some people. And then, so what we see is they go to the shops and they buy a whole bunch of stuff, which then leads to items being missing. And so then people who weren't even really scared about coronavirus see the empty shelves and then think, Oh my goodness, when I need something, it might not be there, so I better hurry up and buy two. And so we have, I think, two different things going on, reasons for acquiring. That 
really, really makes a lot of sense. Now, how does fear play into this? I'm assuming it's a huge drive. Well, I think so. Um, so if you think about losing your freedom, that's pretty scary. So being scared is a type of fear. And so we see thing we see things on the news uh, about you know we visibly see images of people stockpiling products and getting into altercations at supermarkets. Um, so we see anger, but often what underlies anger is fear. And so we see that. Um, we see other things in the news. We have people telling us you need to go and prepare for self-isolation for two to three weeks. And so we're getting a lot of the messages that we do need to be scared at this point in time. And so I think one of those messages is, yes, we need to stay on top of the news because things are changing daily, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to be on the news and social media all day long because that's going to lead to high amounts of fear. So we should be limiting how much access we have to those outlets to help remain calm. And in your opinion, who is the most susceptible to this panic buying during this unpredictable time? Well, I think it's people who have a hard time tolerating uncertainty. And so, as I mentioned, things change daily. And so that is inherently makes things uncertain. And we know that being or perceiving that one is unable to tolerate uncertainty does increase desire to acquire and save possessions, as well as people who don't feel comfortable um, tolerating negative emotions or don't feel like they can tolerate negative emotions. And so individuals who have trouble just sitting and, and, and allowing their negative emotions to be there might be most at risk for giving in to urges to buy more than one needs. I see. And what can we do if we start feeling like we might be exhibiting some of these symptoms? Well, I think it's just to try and step back from the situation. And so the first thing I need to make clear is going to the supermarket to prep for two to three weeks of isolation is not panic buying. That's what we're being told to do. That's an adaptive behavior. So when we talk about panic buying, it's buying enough to last the next six months to a year. It's buying goods simply because they're there and then they, we bring them home and then within a week they spoil. So it's thinking about going through your cupboards at home. What is it that I need? What is it that I don't need? Making lists to guide you when you go to the supermarket. And then to go in knowing you're probably going to have to make substitutes because many things are missing now. And so think about what those substitutes could be um, so that it's easier to make those decisions when you're in the shop. And the other thing I think is to keep in mind is when you see things going through the shop and there might be, I don't know, let's say a whole bunch of packages of tortillas. Um, Don't simply buy them just because that's the one thing that's there. Like really think about it. Am I going to use these in the next two to three weeks? And if not, leave them for somebody else who will use them. Because what the end result of this panic buying is, is that many people are having to go without. In your opinion, who or what do you think is to blame for this uh, shortage of toilet paper? I don't think there is any one thing to blame. In psychology, as with the current pandemic, human behavior is dictated by so many different psychological factors that it's just a combination of forces that are making it difficult to always be engaging in adaptive behavior right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. The fear of the unknown is what's really driving this shortage. 
Yes. Can you give us some tips on how we can survive these next coming months, you know, in, in a way that we can stay uh, healthy, um, mentally healthy? So I've already mentioned limit how much you're watching the news, how much you're looking into social media. So that's limiting the negative information that's coming to you, but you want to also increase the positive. So it's do what works for you. If playing words with friends, if you enjoy that, then find some friends to play that game with. If you like reading books, then engage in a lot of reading. You might want to pick some uplifting books rather than tragedies at this time. Um, but it's just thinking about what in general makes you happy and trying to do that as much as possible. And with the physical isolation that's going on, it's trying to find other ways. Can you use Skype? Can you use Zoom, the telephone to engage with people um, so that you're still getting that contact? And I think the other thing is, is from years of research of, of doing hoarding research, it's become apparent that one of the main reasons people save possessions is to compensate for feelings of loneliness and not being as connected to other people as um, someone may like to be. And so during this time, we're being forced to be on our own. If we don't have the luxury of living with family members or living with family members that we enjoy seeing every day, it's going to be tough. And so I think it's about finding ways where you can make contact with people who you care about, who can make you feel good and, you know, just trying to maximize that as much as possible. And the other thing I would like to encourage people is to think of other people at this time. So there are a lot of us who are very privileged who can go and panic buy for two to three months if we so desire because we have the money. But there are people who live day to day and when they're going to the shops, everything's gone. And that's very, very stressful. So I think it's about looking out for other people can you go on walks in your neighborhood and, you know, put up signs saying that you're willing to help, that you have a few extra rolls of toilet paper or reaching out in any way that you can engage with people that that's really what's going to help us through this time is connecting with people rather than buying possessions. The best thing you can do is, is not panic for the safety and benefit of others. Yes. Which is easier said than done. So it's sure. You know, if, if you have a tendency to get anxious, it's really to just take some time to sit down, do, do some breathing and focus on, well, what am I getting anxious about? What are you thinking about? And then to challenge those thoughts. I mean, some of the things we're experiencing, it, it makes sense to be anxious, but it is also possible that sometimes you might be getting more anxious than the situation calls for at this immediate time. And so just trying to put those thoughts into perspective and sometimes just ignoring our thoughts and trying to do what's best for us and other people. You know, I've not been able to see my therapist um, in the past few weeks. So, you know, just just hearing your voice <laughs> has been helpful. <laughs> oh, that that's really nice to hear because I've been thinking, like, getting distressed. Like, I can't help more people. Someone wrote me about my article in the conversation and said they've been without toilet paper for three days. And like that just brings me to tears because I'm like, well, I could send this person, but then I won't have any and I can't help everybody. And what can I do? And not everyone has the luxury of having a therapist. Um, and these thoughtful words of advice are, are, are lovely to hear, especially to our listeners um, who might not have access. So thank you. Uh, thank you. I, I hope it helps some people. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, uh, what did you guys think of uh, Dr. Norberg? I thought it was fascinating hearing her talk about this. I'm happy to report that I'm also attracted to the women who are the um, guest experts. She was awesome, honestly. She was really, really cool of her to um, take the time to talk to us. And I liked her uh, mental health tips a lot. Yeah, I thought they were very useful. Um, And I know I told her this, but I have not been able to see my therapist uh, in the past few weeks. And she was very helpful. I mean, it, it wasn't she wasn't my therapist, but. It sounded like the things my therapist would tell me. <laughs> Just, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it's nice to hear things explained calmly and articulately because then they give some shape to your ideas and they don't seem as bad. That's right. I think that's, I think that's what therapy is. Hmm. 
For me, the big takeaway was trying to limit social media and watching the news because it's so easy right now to have an a constant influx of information. And last night I made the mistake of putting on, I never watch the news at night. I just read the paper in the morning, unless it's Sunday morning and we watch, um, is it Meet the Press? Otherwise, I don't really watch cable news or anything. And so I put it on last night though, and it sent me into a full on spiral. And I just had nightmares all night long. Oh no. Mm. What did you spiral about? Um, just that I had coronavirus and everyone I love has coronavirus and we're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a classic. <laughs> well, a- Amy Klobuchar's husband getting it was really scary for me. Yes. Because it, it, you, you sensed, you put yourself in her shoes. Yeah. And the way I don't know if you guys saw her address, but she was kind of going doing the circuit last night. And the way she was talking about it was, I mean, she's just such a powerhouse, like she was holding it together. But you could really I mean, it really put a face to the epidemic in in a way. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Colton from The Bachelor also has it. So I've been following him. And he's really put a face to to the virus as well for me. We all have our heroes. That's right. He he's put a very handsome face to the virus. Okay, Rebecca, calm down. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? For me, um, once Tom Hanks got it, that was somebody I that was that that meant that somebody I loved had the virus, and it was it became immediately real. Also, the, a basketball player I had on my fantasy basketball team, Rudy Gobert. He was the the guy who touched all the microphones and got in trouble for that. Uh, he felt really bad about it. He afterward. did. Yes, of course he did. He he apologized oh, and felt okay. really bad about it. But for me, and just in terms of speaking about anxiety, I, I I my anxiety comes and goes in waves. It's this during this process, and yeah, I would agree, Amanda. Staying away from news just sort of helps those waves not reach. Uh, not get as big as they could get, right? So uh, the the anxiety is going to be there. It's just about sort of uh, lessening, you know, sort of uh, lessening as much as possible. Yeah, I had I had my first uh, nightmare about it, like real nightmare uh, the other night, where someone was coming into my house. It was an intruder, and they opened the door and said, "Who's in here? And what do you got?" <laughs> I I woke up and I was like, oh, I I didn't think I was scared about that, but now I am. (laughs) So is that, do you think the intruder was coronavirus or you're just scared of a home invasion? It could be both. It could be both. That is interesting. Maybe the intruder was the metaphor (laughs) for the coronavirus. What are the supplies in that sense? Is that your, is that your, like, Uh, your life accomplishments? Um... (laughs) Like, what are home goods that they're after? Uh, beans and ri- dried beans. Like, what are the beans of the, the dream? The beans of me? The the meta- what, what are the beans a metaphor for? Yes. Um, maybe, maybe my loved ones, my dogs. What do I got? Oh. My dogs, my husband, my family. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe they're coming after them, too. Oh, jeez. Oh, little beans. We got per- to hope for the best for our, our community, our bean community. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's true. So how are you guys holding up? We're pretty good. Um, it, it goes in waves. Um, I I get very anxious, obviously, uh, and and start going online and uh, 
buying. My, my whole thing is like, oh, well, I, I just realized I need more emergency. And so I'll go online and I'll buy that. Um, which I, hearing to Dr. Norberg, you know, it, it, it made me realize, you know, it's such a symptom of, of the anxiety. Um, but, you know, yesterday I, I made, set a goal for myself, no shopping, no online shopping and success, success. I think setting goals is, is a good thing to do. <laughs> you start low <laughs> and, you know, today my goal is to get more steps in. So, you know, we're all doing our best over here. And Chris, how about you? Um, I'm okay. I, uh, I just found out a friend in, in Brooklyn, um, who lives in Brooklyn, his girlfriend who he's been hanging out with and they've been spending a lot of time together in the, during the lockdown, uh, his girlfriend most likely has COVID. So they, Oh my God. Yeah. So he has it probably. Um, and I have a lot of family and friends who are in the New York area. So I'm thinking about them and I'm a little concerned about that, Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, so I'm a little nervous about these next few days, honestly, but, um, you know, keep again, keep trying to stay positive and stay focused on the little things like Rebecca and I come up with a little uh, schedule plan for the day and we just sort of get through the days and we're doing a lot of talking to family and friends like I've actually never been as busy as I am now socially. I'm talking, <laughs> we're taking Zoom meetings like every 10 minutes, it seems like. We're hanging yeah. out. Hanging we had out. to turn down we've, a few, honestly. We've, yeah, we've been double booked. It's been... Humble brag over here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. I've actually felt that a little bit. It's kind of been stressing me out just because I'm used to working from home right. and yeah. filling my days sort of in my own way. And now suddenly the world is all at home. And so there has been sort of a lot just as far as texts and social media. And now I'm on some this app. What is it? The one where people send you videos. Oh, Marco Polo. Um, Marco Polo. And I'm like, wow, actually, this is a little bit too much for this introvert to handle. And so I'm starting to just I need to practice I need to not look at Instagram as much I've just become obsessed with it because now I'm following all my local restaurants obsessively and seeing because some of them have turned into corner stores and and I think Rebecca you mentioned that you were sort of obsessing over your groceries and the food you have in the house I've kind of been doing that so I need to just force myself to not go on these social media apps every yes. once in a while yeah. it, because it, it really is kind of stressing me out because everyone's home and everyone's like use this time to do something creative and then there's some people saying don't worry about using this time to do something creative and I'm just like I'm actually just kind of on my normal schedule can people just chill out a little bit <laughs> I've found that I don't like to read I've always told myself <laughs> and I'm a writer and I'm a writer. Right. Yeah. I've always told myself, you know, uh, the reason I don't read as much is because, you know, I don't have the time. I- I'll read research, but that that to me is not reading. Like reading for pleasure is what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, with all this time that I've had, I have not picked up a book. My mind is not ready for it. <laughs> it could be that that's, do you read when you're on vacation? Yes, Mostly. 
So there you go. We're all we're all doing our best, and I hold on to like the little glimmers of hope and and the and the little things that uh, friends and family have told us. Like Chris has a friend who works in the trucking industry, and he called to really. Um, let us know that there's going to be enough supply. The problem is that the the, the trucks are not able to really um, fulfill the the delivery requirements that the grocery stores are having, and it's because people are overbuying. And uh, but but the demand the supply is there. It's it's going to get to us eventually, and so that really I'm really holding on to that. Um, when it comes to the grocery store and the food anxiety that I've been getting. So mm. there's there's good news out there. It's just hard to find. And yeah. we're, you know, we're here for you guys. And you know what? We don't always have to be talking about the coronavirus right now. You know, there are other things that we can talk about. Yeah, have like um, asking people to rate and review the podcast. <laughs> That's a great, you know, that's a great thing to do that's not coronavirus related for you guys out there. And you have the time. You can you can even give us a, a nice flowery review, a good one, you know, a nice flowery good one. Uh, but but the short ones are fine too. So why don't we read a a, a recent review, Amanda? Do you, you that, have that would be on? great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can I have one pulled up right here. Let me see. Um Okay, this is really cute. So this comes in from Megan Conroy, five stars, smart, funny, and original. So great. It's the kind where I find myself wishing I were friends with the hosts. As a history major in college with no credibility, I just love a gripping drama. I endorse this podcast. Wow. History majors are even endorsing this podcast. That's... I, thank you so much for that wonderful review. Yeah, that's, that is quite a thing. Um, uh, thank you, Megan. Is it Megan? It, uh, we had this conversation it during was. the Megxit. Is it Megan or Ma- Megan? What did you call it, Amanda? Uh, I don't Me- remember. Megan? Megan Me- or Ga- Megan? Me- I think I said Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Someone already called me out online. Apparently, uh, McLean's is McLean's. McLean's Canada. Dot Canada. Dot to be honest. To be honest, when I saw that, I saw that Twitter comment, and I just thought to myself, wow, we were pretty close. (laughs) Yes. That's a pretty good good tagline for uh, the Alarmist podcast. Wow, we were pretty close. (laughs) Yeah. I think as long as we get pretty close, that's that's as much as you can expect, especially with an easily distracted fact checker like myself. That's right, Chris. You keep up the good work. And I, for everyone out there who's listening, we're recording this um, video Skype call, and we're going to be posting it on the Alarmist Instagram, so you can see what we look like. That's if right. You follow us. I put a nice lip color on for everyone. It's beautiful. It's a nice sort of peach. It kind of matches your sweater. Oh, really? It's actually a mauve, but maybe mm. the uh, our our cameras might not. Are you be colorblind? <laughs> I guess I am, <laughs> and I'm here wearing a blue sweatshirt. <laughs> Guys, it's red. It's red. She's such a kidder. Come I, on. I put coconut cream in my hair. Oh, you did? I did it looks good. Occasion. So, um, yeah, you can see there's a buoyancy there. <laughs> Chris's hair is going to get very um, curly during this I'm quarantine. doing things that people who only can see the podcast will, uh, will appreciate. 
Oh, that's honestly impressive. So why don't we talk about some uh, listener emails that we've gotten recently. Now, Christopher Bush wrote in and he asked us what our favorite history books are. Um, because he's he's interested in maybe <laughs> reading laughing. some history books during the lockdown. Now, uh, that's a great question. I'm actually currently reading uh, a book called Low Life. It's by Luke Santi. And spoiler alert, it's, be- it's about the Astor Place riot um, and ni- 1850s New York City. Uh, we are going to be doing an upcoming episode on the Astor Place riot. So I'm doing a little research. And I must say, this book, if you're interested in New York City and, you know, how it came to be, all the different neighborhoods and uh, all the, all, all the you know, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it? The, geez, my brain. <laughs> You've given me I, a week in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so like just the, the, the historical sites of New York City when you when you walk around in the neighborhood uh, when you're in the city, and uh, how the different um, ethnic groups came to be and and the, and the gangs of New York and all that. Um, it's a really compelling book, so I highly recommend Low Life. I have three. Amanda, what do you have? One. Well, I don't read a lot of straight history books, but I do like uh, historical fiction. Tell us. But but not even necessarily historical fiction, just books set in different times. Is that historical fiction or not? not? (laughs) Yeah. Sure. It's a period. Uh, You mean like a period piece? Yeah, a period piece. What, what, What do you like? Well, I'm not really prepared to give my recommendation. Okay. Because I'm not certain they're all like coming of age books about young women. Well, like Little Women. I used to love the book Little Women. Well, I will say I've been reading quite a bit of Judy Bloom. Oh. Her adult books are huh? re- not her like sexy adult books, but they are sexy. Um, I also, my favorite book is Rules of Civility. And um, The Gentleman in Moscow is really interesting too. Those are the same author, a more. Towels, I think his name is. It's T O W L E S. So, and those, um, um, one of them is set, I think, in the 30s or the 40s in New York, and the other one is in Moscow, maybe at like the turn of the century. I'm not quite sure, but anyway, if you haven't read either of those, they're really good fiction books. Mm. Those are good recs. Nice. Yeah. And you, Chris? Okay, so I had a teacher in college who told us to read The 50s by David Halberstam. And uh, I love that book. It it he's a he was a Times reporter, and he's just a very good writer, super clear. And there's little sections. He does a section on pop culture in the fifties. He has a section on um, the whole uh, what we talked about, the Manhattan Project, where he talks about um, what's his name, the head of the Manhattan Project. Um, come on, guys. Oh, uh, uh, um, Brad, Op- not Oppen? Bradbury. Op- Oppen? Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. Um, so the 50s is a good one. I also re- read this book um, by Yuval Noah Harari, the book called Sapiens, which is not technically oh. a history book, but it is. it talks about the revolutions of, hum- of the sapien, of our um, whatever species, the sapiens. Um, so that may be technically it. And then there's also one that's really good called A Little History of the World by Ernest Gombrich. Um 
which is like a history book for kids, basically. And he takes you through like major, major moments in sort of like our world. Uh, but and he explains it to you like you're a six year old. And for me, that's perfect. That's I think that's what most of the population needs. Honestly, I, I I would be interested in reading that. <laughs> it's an awesome book. I think everyone should read A Little History of the World. You know, we should start our own book club, you, uh, us three, and The Alarmy. We could start a book club with The Alarmy. I do think people would be interested to know what books you read as research, Rebecca, so we should always make sure to say what you're reading, because even if they're children's books. Sometimes, yeah. When I go to the Altadena <laughs> Library, that's all that I ha- apparently <laughs> have. Um, I uh, well, why don't we? I don't know. Let us know. Do you think we should start a book club? Uh, maybe, maybe that's a fun thing to do while we're in quarantine. I'm interested in reading that book, Chris. How many pages? <laughs> Is a little history of the world. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's in our living room. I can go grab it. I like how like, how thick is it? It's like that. It's like it's like a okay. two, two, two inches thick. I guess. That, I that, mean, it looks like it might be a four hundred or five. No, page it's probably closer to three three fifty. Okay. okay. I, and it goes through the whole history of the whole world. No, it 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 <laughs> he he picks certain moments. And <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, okay. that was a joke. <laughs> no, I mean I guess it was kind of a joke, but <laughs> what kind of question? I'm, was I'm not that? really sure if it was a joke or not. I think <laughs> it might have been a real question. <laughs> Uh, he, he 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 picks really important moments. And okay, kind of gives a very oversimplified explanation of them. Okay, I mean, I I, I, I could that. maybe I could maybe read that, but we'll see. And Chris has already read it, right? So yes. that's not fair. He'll no, have I got to reread. reread. I got to reread. Okay, well, well I mean, we're going to be sharing yeah. a I copy. What's though, happened so. in the world? <laughs> <laughs> that is did we a, get any? Uh, did yeah. we get any other emails from people? We got some emails. Uh, one about the Siegfried and Roy. Oh wow! Remember uh, that? That feels like yeah. That feels like ages ago, um, pre-coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a really nice email we got. Um, it is from Ashley Joy. What a name! Yeah, and she said I came across your podcast after a coworker recommended it to me, and she's she learned about it from another coworker. Mm. I have. Uh, I have since told two office, more people like about it. Yeah, just like the virus. <laughs> but this is good. Stay this version home, is good. This is the only type of viral spread that needs to occur. Oh, so she she really did. Uh, I love the pod and look forward to uh, learning and debating about new tragedies. It was it has caused me to look at historical events and wonder who was to blame. Good. Now, my question today is about the Great Chicago Fire and the Spanish Influenza. Was it really the cow's fault or the abundance use of lumber? Who should we blame for the pandemic that caused the death of the greatest vampire in history, Edward Cullen? So this is piquing my interest. Who's mm. Edward Cullen? Uh, so they want to know. She wants to know who's truly to blame uh, for the Twilight. And Shades of Grey series. <laughs> oh, okay. Edward so Cullen guess... is a fictional character in Twilight. Oh. Okay, oh. okay, okay. So, Talk about a book club. I've never read those. That oh. w- that would be really fun. <laughs> we should definitely do. And if it's if it has something to do with the Great Chicago Fire, which I, I think she's implying. I think she's. Uh, wait, my questions today are all about the Great Chicago Fire and the Spanish influenza. Mm. Well, Ashley, we are. We are uh, really 
trying to figure out who's to blame for this paragraph that you sent us. (laughs) 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 This very confusing paragraph. But I like, you know, these are great recommendations. The Chicago Fire, we definitely have to do. It's on the list. Spanish influenza, we've kind of covered. It might be a little close to home at the moment, but it's definitely one that we're going to do in the future. And... uh, yeah, and, and who's to blame for Twilight? The death of Ed Cullen, I guess. We'll have to look into that. Um, so thank you so much for your email. Um, and, w- you know, we've had a lot of other th- things, but this episode is kind of uh, uh, getting longer, so maybe we'll save them for the next. Everyone just get online and let us know w- how you're spending the time during this uh, self-isolation, during your quarantine. Um, a-, a lot of people have let us know. Some people are uh, knitting. Some people are working from home and just feeling anxious. Other people are taking an online class uh from uh, my husband, Chris, Chris Smith here. He's doing a backyard acting series on his Instagram uh, account, which is at Chris, Chris Smith, Smith. And Chris, why don't you tell us about your backyard acting? Sure. So um, when the pandemic happened, I, I asked my, you know, I saw an incredible surge of our community rise up and, uh, you know, the frontline workers, like the people who are at the hospitals and who are doctors and nurses, but also the people in grocery stores and delivery people. And it made me wonder what I could do in this time. How could I help the community? And I thought that teaching acting would be a worthwhile cause. And so I started teaching acting. I offer it free. Um, I have a deal with Glacier Bay Toilet Bowls <laughs> to allow for my social media to be accessed free. And so uh, please join me at Chris Chris Smith Smith on Instagram. And uh, I have student submissions. I go through uh, my acting techniques and tips. Wow, Chris, you really slipped into uh, American actor Chris Smith right there. Did I? A little bit. Yeah. I feel like he li- he's always inside of me. That's right. That's right. I'm so blessed to be living it, with a great American actor. <laughs> it's really funny, though. You guys should all follow. Um, so, and, and listen to the big ones as well. That's a great yeah. one to pass the time. Thank you. Yeah, so that's the podcast that I host with my friend Maria. She's also the Erios co-founder. So we take, I think of it, The Alarmist and the Big Ones as sister podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. It's got a similar structure, um, but we basically take a moral dilemma and then we talk about who's, uh, I was going to say we talk who's about to who's to blame. <laughs> Coming up with a moral dilemma. <laughs> we basically talk about moral dilemmas on the show and we have to figure out what we would do in these odd hypothetical circumstances. So both Rebecca and Chris have been on it. So you can find their episodes. What's the most recent moral dilemma about? Um, The most recent moral dilemma. Let me double check and see what it was. Um, I know that we had, um, Oh, Aaron Gibson was on just on the big ones. Um, And so she was on, Oh, and we did the moral dilemma of the, you know, the movie never been kissed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically it was your, a 30-year-old undercover journalist, you go back to high school and you fall in love with your teacher. Um, is that okay? Wait. <laughs> he, he thinks you're 17. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. So the dilemma is you're deceiving your teacher. 
Well, but he's also developing feelings for one of his students. Right. That it's very wrong. A lot of moral and he dilemmas. he he doesn't he does not know that you're actually a 30 year old journalist, and he tells you how he feels on yeah. a Ferris wheel. Yeah. What does that say about you, <laughs> dude? <laughs> well. You guys should go listen to the big ones and find out what Amanda would do. And I'm curious to know what Aaron would do. So I mean, we get in there, so you should take a listen. <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning into the aftermath. We've got we're cooking up some uh, episodes during the self isolation, just to kind of keep us sane and you know help help you pass the time. So up next, we'll be doing the Game of Thrones series finale. Who's to blame for the disaster that was Game of Thrones series finale? So, and we'll have Matt Gorley on as a guest for that. Yes, he's he's a, uh, a he's going to be a great guest, and also we're lucky that he lives in the same house as Amanda. <laughs> he might be a guest on a, a lot of these episodes yes. <laughs> coming up. <laughs> um, and you know, pretty sh- pretty soon we're going to have our our dogs as guests. Yeah. As so, well. what are the dogs doing while we're talking? They're being so good. Oh, are they just right there? Yeah. Let's see them. They've been here the whole oh, time. Oh my god, they're being so good. They're very are. sweet. Can you see <gasps> them? Let's see Yogi. So we can't see Yogi's face. So that's Bronco. And there's. Uh, can we see? Them? Oh, Yogi! Oh my gosh, they're just so sweet. Yeah. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions. Uh, and the best way to reach us is by email at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at thealarmistpodcast and Twitter at alarmistthe. And feel free to uh, send us your questions there too. And if you go to our Facebook page, you, you can reach that by just going to www.thealarmistpodcast.com. And please, you guys, I don't know if, Rebecca, you've see, you've received any voice memos at the email. Oh, we have did. You? We did. That's right. We'll, ha- we'll have to uh, talk about Pablo's uh, voice memo slash message next. Okay, aftermath. we'll do that, Pablo. We're going to get to that next week. Also, we have a voicemail at 844-370-8643. That number's in the show notes. Now... That's a toll-free phone number that I pay $5 for every month. And we haven't got any voicemails. So I can't promise you I'm going to keep paying unless you guys man up and woman up and whatever up. Human and leave up. Us, human up and leave us some goddamn voicemails. Because that's money out of the Erio's bank. That's right. Make use out of it, people. Amanda or Amanda's going to cut, cut ties with that toll-free number. It is so fun to hear your voices. Everyone likes it. You're doing nothing right now. So if you need to write out a little script so you can read it, but I want to hear your voices. You're already on your phone, people. Sing us a little song or something. I mean, there's so much you can do with your voice. You can sing. You can do an impression. Maybe do an impression of your favorite actor or one of us. Oh, that's fun. Thanks so much for listening to The Alarmist. We'll see you next week. Here he goes. 
powered by ACAST. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.